You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome to the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by our social media manager, James Healy. Hello, James. How are you? Not too bad, Ian. How are you? I'm having a bit of an interesting week this week. My wife has decided that it would be a good time for us to start a diet. And I can't think of a worse time to start a diet, really, at the moment. I don't think that there's... I haven't got enough goodwill. There's not enough goodwill in the world to start a diet in the middle of lockdown, is there, really? I mean, it's not as if we can go to the pub. So I suppose the alcohol has, you know, been addressed. The alcohol situation, as I like to call it. (laughs) Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's, I'm on a diet anyway, and I'm in, I'm into day two and, and I'm finding it hard because apparently I've got to eat granola Ooh. for breakfast. I know who invented yeah. that. I uh, know it's not good. We, we did a diet before Christmas, 12, 12 week fasting diet. And to be fair, it worked because I lost just under four stone doing it. So, uh, I put on a bit over Christmas, but I, I feel your pain. A fasting diet. So have you noticed how that there's like a myriad of different techniques to this? Because we last year, the one that I was subjected to was a it was a points based system, which um, reminds me of the government's immigration policy. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got you got fined for sort of eating unhealthy foods. Um, and I thought I'd, I'd adopt the Lee Hobbs approach to the points-based system, and I thought I'd get as many points on the board early, <laughs> just um, just in case. Um, and uh, well, by the end of the thing, I was I think I was in danger of qualifying for the Champions League. I think I was doing so well. But anyway, now I'm being subjected to Joe Wicks and his Ooh, yeah. you know, granola for breakfast, frittata for lunch. Oh dear me! And I've got to do some exercise, which I'm not really enjoying. So I'm, you know, anyway, it's all it's all for a good cause, isn't it? And I've got to provide some moral support for my wife, who, um, yeah, I'm not. I, I, she's not taking my my sort of my humour on this particularly well. It would be fair to say I was in the doghouse yesterday, but anyway, there's a <laughs> that's a little bit of therapy for me. I feel a lot better having shared that with the listeners. Um, on today's episode of the podcast, we hear from the league chairman John Paul. And uh, he's going to be giving, getting us up to date on where we currently are regarding um, the future of the uh, the season. We also hear from Adam Thurston. Um, Adam, of course, a well-known groundhopper who's writing a book about the grounds of the Western League. And we also hear uh, from Eamon Daly, the manager of Portishead Town. We're going to try and keep these manager interviews going um, for as long as we keep the podcast going through lockdown or for as, for as long as I'm physically able, as I'm as my diet's been subjected to sort of malnutrition. But anyway, never mind that. Um, so anyway, we'll kick off now with uh, uh, an opportunity to catch up with the, the chairman of the Tool Station Western League, Mr John Paul. Um, last week, of course, we heard from Richard Pallett, the vice chairman, and that was very much to talk about the league's decision to suspend fixtures until January the 22nd. Well, they say a week is a long time in politics, but it's an eternity at the moment during the coronavirus pandemic. The situation has moved on significantly, of course. And so I asked John to give us an update on where we are today. The um, situation is considerably worse than it was on in January, uh, beginning of January. The position that we're finding ourselves in now is that 
Uh, we are w waiting for a survey to be conducted, um, which initially uh, was going to go to steps three and four. Then we were five and six were going to be copied in to said um, survey. We've discussed the position that we're in because what we've been doing is actually pretty much making statements based on every review of the government. So the next statement um, that was due, I believe it's January the 13th. So what we would do, um, we will issue a statement on the 14th. What that statement's going to consist of, I would imagine is going to be something in, in line with that the season um, at this point in time we cannot give any indications as regards to when we can see football commencing again. That's about as much as I can tell you with regards to our position re-football starting up again. We don't quite know what's happening with regards to five and six and, and I don't think there's, a, there's likely to be any other arrangements applicable to five and six. I think three and four... In, you know, in our opinion, they're going to be dictating pretty much um, how we go forward, really. You've, you've mentioned this survey um, that the, the FA are going to undertake. I mean, have you got an idea of what options the FA might be concluding in that survey? No, I wish we did, to be honest, because I think that I think the one thing that you know, we'd like to get over to our clubs, and I mean, there's a bit of a time for that because we don't know when we're going to see this survey, um, I think they were hoping to get the survey out to three and four late, later in the week. What we don't want to happen really is for, you know, all due respect to, to clubs, everybody got their own views about what you can and what you can't do. But you need to think it through a little bit more really with regards to what is feasible and what is achievable. What exactly is going to be in those surveys? I don't really know, to be quite honest. It, it looks as though from the press comments that I saw yesterday it, it, it looks like it's going to be a null and void that's pretty much all they're saying um, this is this is um, what they term as the Trident Leagues, the, the Northern Prem the Southern and the Isthmian Leagues um, they've been pretty brave really because they've made a board decision to say that null and void is their favourite option but the survey says that it, it, it is going out on the basis of anybody with alternatives. Now, what those alternatives are going to be, in answer to your question, I don't really know, to be quite honest. I mean, there isn't too many options you can come up with. I mean, the ones that have been, you know, probably the subject of discussion for five and six at the chair's meeting that we've had have been very much along the lines of null and void as against the carryover to next season. In other words, you know, suspending this season and starting again next season. If we look at those two options then, I mean, do you, do, at the moment, John, does the Western League board have a preferred option on how to conclude this, this, this season? We've talked about it a lot with regards to... Uh, I mean, that's not to say that we all agree. Uh, make that clear. As regards to putting anything out to the clubs in the way that the steps three and four, and we don't agree with it, to be absolutely honest. We don't think it's the right way to go. We don't believe that we should be telling the clubs 
well, you know, and that probably won't sit easy with some of the clubs, certainly, but it, we, we believe it's their decision because there's no doubt, you, you know and I know that you're done whatever you do on this, and it's, it's not a question of tucking the issues, it's quite simply, it's got to be the club's decision. It's the FA that are conducting this, not you know, not the leagues. Um, and I think you know, I think there's enough experience now from what's gone before for the clubs to be able to form their own conclusions as regards to what is the best solution. And, and I think this is the time to start thinking about you know what has gone on um, with regards to the reaction from clubs. We've had clubs that, understandably, if not wanted to continue. Um, Financial viability has been, been in question. Even morals have been in question as regards to whether it's morally right. I think, in fairness, you could understand those situations. You know, but it's even more understandable now because the situation's got considerably worse. So, I, I think it's only you know. Re, but don't repeat yourself. I, mean, I think it's just absolutely right and proper that that the clubs are allowed to make their own decision. Because it's the FA that this got to appeal to, as regards to how they feel about the conclusion of the season. And and do you ever feel for what sort of time span um, we're looking at for, for for the surveys to be distributed and for the for the for the FA to sort of to, to take note of the responses? Because I know in the past. There's sometimes we've assumed that the FA will take a, a long time and they've surprised us with their speed and on other occasions I think people have, 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 have expected decisions far sooner than they've actually come. So have we, have we got any indication at all about the timescale for this? Nothing has been forwarded to us. Um, there was a... Uh, I mean, is it quoting somebody else now? There was a, um, an article in the non-league paper yesterday from the chairman of the Northern League and realistically, what he was saying was early February before the Alliance Committee formulates and makes a recommendation to the FA Council. I'll give you a personal view for what it's worth. I think that if you if you adopt um, a view that null and void is what you're looking for, then you can take as long as you want to take because... If you go to February, they've suspended all fixtures now until March the 6th. So they don't intend playing again before March the 6th. In fact, it's been said that they want another two weeks after that to get everybody prepared again. Well, if you look at the league tables, that pretty much tells you exactly where, you know, where they're coming from. They, they've recommended null and void. And if you get my drift, you know, the longer it takes to to come up with a conclusion, the closer you are to achieving null and void, because it's just not going to be... I mean, they're, they're already in a position now whereby they're going to have clubs be playing probably two, three times a week. I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot at stake at three and four in there because you've got contract players, you've got wages that got to be played, one assumes that everybody's furloughed at the moment. I mean, I don't like you keep quoting three and four, but unfortunately, our view is that... that you know, they're going to lead the way on this because it would be very interesting if, if our survey at five and six said that we would like to continue as soon as, you know, if, if it was at all possible, we'd like to, you know, continue playing. But will we be in a position to be able to complete a season? No. No, not, not when we've got a club, one club has only played eight games. 
I mean, it's just not, it's not going to be possible to do that. So in answer to your question, Ian, um, <clears throat> February, March is, is what has been indicated in this press release, but we've had no official information with regards to even when we're going to see our survey. I'm just picking up on the last point you made there, John. Um, obviously, we know the National League is still playing even now. Um, if steps uh, three and four were to decide to void, c- could you realistically see a situation where the FA would allow three different solutions across the pyramid? Be unusual. Uh, normally, they, they sort of seem to make blanket decisions, uh, whether in this instance... They would see it like that. Uh, I really don't know. I, I mean, looking at looking at the league tables throughout the country, they all pretty much look similar. You, you know that that games played. This is so. I I really I really would have no take on on how they would how they would arrive at a decision with regards to you know, promotion and relegation because that that's the key to it all. I mean that that is that is the problem that that we have sitting at five and six. If they null and void their season at three and four, our season becomes somewhat pointless if there's no promotion or relegation. I mean, just one final question for you, John. Um, are you surprised that the FA didn't form a plan or at least consult on a plan um, for yeah. an, for another COVID affected season b- before this season began? I mean, we've got about a third of the way through, certainly the Premier Division season. Um, but you know, isn't it a bit late to be doing this now? There's a lot of lessons to be learned from this year because they didn't they didn't learn them from last year. Um, I think when we spoke before, I told you that the Western League asked a question before a ball was kicked. As regards to again a repeat of, of the COVID situation, what steps have been taken or what decisions would you know, will be arrived at um, if it reoccurred? I've never even had a reply, and that was actually asked at one, a meeting of all the leagues. Uh, one of the very first meetings that we had with the FA at the start of all this, and that question was asked, and it it it, it, it didn't even, it did, it just got completely dismissed. And here we are now, um, obviously in a considerably worse situation, but no decisions have been made. I mean, again, you know, without keep repeating you know, the reference to that, that article yesterday, what was being suggested there, that there's emergency rules created that can be, can be implemented quickly to, so that everybody knows exactly where they're, where they're going and, and what, you know. The decisions, if you like, would be would be made, and, and that is written into the standardised rules. But why they just didn't do that when they had the opportunity? I suppose they thought that perhaps it wouldn't things would improve. I have no idea. They certainly got to do that. You know, they, got, they got they got to arrive at a decision on the back of this because it'd be very easy now to sort of sit down and sort of say, "Oh well, all the vaccinations have taken place. Everything's going to be tickety boo going forward." Well, it's a brave man that's going to do that. John, thank you very much again for your time. Um, we appreciate you um, coming o- along. It's very difficult 
position to put you in because, of course, you know, the, the FA are behind um, one step behind the government and, and, and obviously, you know, you're one step behind the FA with regard to sort of what, what's knowing what's going on. But we do appreciate you coming on and I've, I've got a sneaking suspicion we're going to be hearing you hear, hearing from you again before all of this is over. Yeah, so to be honest, Ian, it's just for you, Carl, it, it's, it never sits easy with people, does it? I mean, you've got keyboard warriors, you've got people that, you know, love social media and all the rest of it. We get all that and we understand all that, but we're as frustrated about it as anybody else. I mean, it's probably every, at least every other day when we're we're communicating with one another, we're trying to keep right on top of it all. And if there's if there's any position where we could find ourselves in where we could actually say to the clubs, look, you know, this is this is the route that the league's taking. But at the moment, we're just we're so sort of lacking in information. I think it's been explained before that, rightly or wrongly, you can't just change the rules as you go along. No, people think you can. But the FA, you know, they got a set of rules. They stick with those set of rules. They face all manner of legal, um, what can I say, it was charges levelled against the FA last year for the decisions that they, they made. They aren't going to go down that route again. And, and this is why a lot of these things take such a time, because they have to go through what they term as legal. They have to make sure that what they put out there isn't going to be open to charges being levelled. Um, so, it, yeah, it's in the form of an apology, really, to the clubs, but you know, we do say to them, you've got to understand that our position is not really any different than yours. We, we, you know, we are lacking any guidance, we're lacking any leadership, and we certainly lack in information. And my thanks to John for his time. Now, Jim, last week we had a little chat about an appeal that was put out by Adam Thurston. Um, Adam was looking for some help, um, some information, photographs, that sort of thing, um, uh, for a book that he's been writing in lockdown about the grounds of the uh, of the of the Western League. You uh, you put out a, you put out some information on social media, didn't you? And and there is a post on the website. That's right. Yeah, we um, Adam got in touch. We saw a tweet that he put out about his book uh, and how many pages and how many words he's up to. And so we asked him if we if we could feature him. Um, obviously, yourself with the interview on here. And yeah, we put a uh, story up on the website just asking a plea really for people to get in touch with Adam direct for um, supplying photos and any information about clubs that have played in the uh, Western League. Yeah, there's a whole host of sort of areas that Adam was looking for some assistance with. And also his his contact details are on that article as well. Um, where can um, listeners find that on our website? So it's under the news section uh, on the website. It's, I think it's the second story down. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's got a list of um, bits that he's after, really. So like history of clubs, uh, grounds, uh, when the grounds opened, record crowds, uh, floodlights, new stands. Uh, exciting, funny stories, interesting stories about the clubs. Um, but the real one for me is a good one is um, in line with our Think of a Fan campaign. Um, yeah, any special mentions for individual people from uh, from clubs? Excellent stuff. Well, um, it's probably time we hear um, from Adam himself. Um, I did have a chat, obviously, about the book and about his plans for it, but I started off by asking him how he was finding this third lockdown. Um, I'm starting to struggle, I think. Um, I think with 
football before I was always able to get away with it in terms of the levels that we enjoy watching have just about survived most of the time. Um, I think though we're, we're heading very much towards that territory of, of March last year where there's no light at the end of the tunnel for the season. Um, and I'm kind of worrying now that our Saturdays are going to, we're going to have to find something else to do for the next num- high number of Saturdays. Well, I mean, that, what are you finding at the moment then to fill your time? So it's obviously only been a couple of weeks, hasn't it, since the last games, but I've since lockdown two um, started back in November, I've started writing the book, which we'll, we'll come on to shortly. Um, and then kind of in addition to that, it's just keeping myself busy, really doing a lot of running, a lot of walking the dog, those kinds of things, really just trying to get out of the house. Well, that's um, that, that all power to you there, because uh, it's always good to keep nice and healthy. Um, but uh, you mentioned the book and it was really that that we, we wanted to get in touch with you and get you on the podcast. I know um, the Western League um, on social media have been have been um, trying to help you do the research um, for your book. But let let please, if you if you might take this opportunity to sort of just tell us what is the premise of the book that you've been writing in these covid times? Yeah, so I've wanted to write a book for years, but never really had the right idea to, to kind of take up on really and actually make something of it I read the book by Doug and Sandy Webb a couple of years ago um, which which really interested me in terms of the history of the league Um, and then suddenly I was on a run or a dog walk I can't remember which um, at the very start of the November lockdown and thought right let's try and do something and then it suddenly kind of clicked in my head to to write a book about the history of the Western League grounds that we've been watching football at for, for however many years it kind of hand in hand with my hobby of ground hopping and my love of the Western League, it kind of almost a light bulb moment, really. Um, as I read Doug and Sandy's book a couple of years ago, and that was really interesting on the history of the league. And then this is hopefully kind of almost going to go to the other side of it and really explore the history of the grounds um, that have been involved in the league. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting finding out much, much more information than I already knew about all the places that we've been watching football up for so many years. One of the things, of course, about Doug and Sandy's book is that we realise just how many teams have been in the Western League over the years. So, I mean, are you are you attempting to sort of create the full canon of grounds and clubs that have been members of the Western League? Um, I'm not going to be doing every single one um, because a number of them have kind of come in and out in the late 1800s and, weren't, and only playing for kind of a year or so. Um, and a lot of them, obviously, the, the data from back then wasn't great. There's not much to go on anymore. Um, from those days, I'm just trying to find out as much as I possibly can. For some of the clubs, it's a bit easier than others because some of them now play in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> so it is a bit easier in that context. But there are a number of clubs from the very early days, which the club no longer exists. The place where they play doesn't exist anymore. So that's been quite difficult. Um, but I'm making my way through it um, and I'm... I think I'm up to about the late 70s now, so it is getting easier. Um, but yeah, it's it's not been easy. I mean, obviously, with a project like this, research is you know is is the is the is the magic word, isn't it? And I mean, I mean, uh, we've had uh, on the podcast over the years. I mean, we've had Sandy Webb, we've had um, Gareth Paisley, who's done a huge amount of research into the history of of Welton, and of course John Cuthbertson as well. And one of the things we learned from from those interviews is the the importance of the of the newspaper archive. That actually there is a lot of data that is out there, but it's just a question of of sort of squirrelling away and going and finding it. I mean, how 
how are you finding that aspect of writing the book? Is that every bit as challenging as you thought it was going to be? Well, I have to admit, I've not really touched into the newspaper archives too much just yet. I've mainly relied on talking to people. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I've found so far, um, as I said, come from just having general conversations with people, looking on fans' forums, looking in the history books on clubs' websites, and then speak to people from there, kind of there and thereabouts, really. Um, as I said, I've not looked into the archives of the newspapers too much because at the moment I'm just trying to kind of utilize as much as I can without having to fork out a fortune to get into all these archives. Um, but I absolutely will be doing that when I get into the current clubs because that's where I want to go into a bit more detail on all of on all those on all those clubs. And say that because there's so many clubs out there, I've started off kind of going a little bit lighter in the older days, if you like, and then the current what is it, 41 clubs that we've got. Um, in the Western League at the moment, that's when I'll try to look into those archives and get a, a bit more detail. But let's say talking to people, that is what I find to be number one, really. Um, and, and as you mentioned, I've already spoken to John and got some um, really, really good information about Corsham. And that's the first club I've started writing about in the current format. Um, and then, as I say, Gareth Wilson, there's, there's lots of other people that I'm going to then try and talk to from each from each of the clubs. Really. And I've already got a lot of information from some people from various ones. And that's been really, really useful. So this is a bit of the, the soapbox moment then, really, because uh, I imagine that that personal interaction, talking to people from clubs, uh, is going to be really important for you. So, I mean, you know, if you can make a, an appeal now and if there are people out there who are sort of, I mean, we, we know from our own experience, don't we, that some in some families, it's generations of people have been supporting and playing our member clubs. I mean, if you've got an appeal for information, what sort of things can people send you? What sort of things are you interested in hearing about? anything really um i think the obviously the obvious answer is any history on the ground that the club play at um the history of their western league days really and where they played their football um as as you mentioned at the start the western league have already put out an article on the website so i'd, I'd ask people to head over to there but the kinds of things i'm looking for are, um, special occasions at the grounds when did the ground open when were floodlights put up any new stands all those kinds of things really um Grounds, especially as they go up through the levels, have got to uh, meet additional ground requirements to stay at that level. How have those been met? Those kinds of things. Um, and then kind of any any stories, really. Um, what's your record attendance? Any FA Cup games that you've had at, had at the gate at the ground? Um, and then the final point, which I raised on the website, is around the Think of a Fan campaign. And are there any special stories about volunteers that, that keep those clubs going? I'd imagine that 99% of our clubs over the years have had kind of two, three or four people there that have kept them alive. Any kind of stories that they've got, really. Excellent stuff. I mean, of course, I, you know, in a previous in a previous life, when I was a resident of Melksham, and and that's a word that I used to be able to use freely on the Western League podcast. But ever since they they saw fit to get promoted, that's obviously been that's a pleasure that's been removed from me. But I mean, they're a club that has an interesting history regarding grounds, of course, because when I first started to watch them only ten years ago, I was a regular visitor at the Conagher, and now they're in the palatial surroundings of the Oakfield Stadium. I mean, are they a club that's going to make it make their way into your book? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I find the ones that have moved on to different to pastures new, especially interested in. In Melcham's case, and I'm sure you're aware, but some of the listeners may not be that the Kaniga is actually still there, or it was when I last went anyway, um, and that was about six months ago. Um, completely derelict. The floodlights are still there, and the goalposts are still there, um, which is quite quite idyllic, idealistic, really. Um, but it, it's really interesting, and yeah, as you say, 
um, they will definitely be making um, a feature as will kind of all of the clubs at least kind of from the 1970s onwards and kind of any before that and um, hopefully all of them will get some kind of mention. I mean this is always a dangerous thing to ask somebody who's, who's writing a, a book but I mean have you got any idea when you think you're likely to finish uh, when you when you're in you know when we might actually get to see a copy of your work? I'm really not sure at this point because I, I, I picked up the pen as I say in November um, so what, we're what two months in and as I'd like to think I'm kind of three quarters of the way through the clubs that aren't with us anymore um, but then I've got all the information to gather and to write up about the current clubs um, I would like to think I can make really really good progress through the next kind of three to four months especially whilst the lockdowns are happening and my weekends are free um, I would like to say that this year it would be done but I've never done this before, so I really don't know. <laughs> once I finished it, once I think I've finished it, what happens next? Um, I'm sure there's going to have to be lots of people reading it and, and finding all the mistakes that I've put in there. You've then got your printing um, aspects of it and copywriting, all those kinds of things. Um, so I'll be honest, I'm not too sure. I would hope that I can get something out this year, um, but don't hold me to it just yet. Well, I know that obviously research is very important for you, and that's right that we want to hear, you know, we want people in the Western League to, to get in touch with you. But of course, I suppose you will need a publisher and, um, you know, perhaps there's going to be other other facilities that um, that we'll be able to bring to bear that will be able to help you um, get that get that book out, because um, undertaking a book is is no mean feat, Adam. And um, I certainly take my hat off to it. I've had a you know, I've, I've often thought I'd quite like to do it. I think it's probably going to be something I'm going to need to do when my kids are a bit older. But um, I, I really, really do wish you the, the very best of luck with it. I mean, I was going to I was about to say that you're with that in mind, you're probably one of the few people in the uh, in the world at the moment who quite like this lockdown to continue a little bit longer so you can uh, you can get it finished. But um, I'm, I'm sure that's not really the case. No, not quite. I, I'll, I'll find time when football's back as well. So I'd rather the football carried on, but we are where we are. Well, and, and that's really where I wanted to sort of leave our, our chat today, because, um, you know, at the moment we're in, you know, we're in our third lockdown. Play has been suspended um, and, um, it, you know, it's 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 looking it's looking pretty bleak. I mean, how, how are you seeing the situation? How do you think this one's going to play out? I think it's pretty ominous um, with where we are, that there's no way that we can finish this season now. Um, I think clubs in the Western League are somewhat ahead of other clubs at our level, um, not so much the Southwest Peninsula League, who really kind of hit the ground running in August and September. I think they kind of saw what might happen. So they've, they've played a lot more games than most leagues. But you look at leagues up, up north and they've, barely touched five games. Um, I think probably from the Western League, Bitten are only on around eight. Um, and to ask them to finish their last, what, 30 games um, from the 15th of March or whatever it might be up until the end of May, is, it's just impossible. So the writing's very much on the wall um, for another potentially null and void season. But how do they, how do the FA combat that? Can we really have two null and void seasons in a row? Um, I, I was one of the people that were at the, the first lockdown back in March last year that said, let's not null and void it, let's keep going, we'll finish this season when it finishes. Um, of course, the FA made that decision very, very quickly. Um, so we're now at a point in time a year later nearly and we're going to have a second null and void season. Bitten's rivals in the semi-finals, the FA Vars, they're still waiting to play their FA Vars final at Wembley. Will that ever happen? Um, yeah, as I say, I think the writing's on the wall. I don't think this season will conclude. 
but how will they conclude it? That's what I'm interested in. Will it just be a flat null and void again? Um, and they'll push their restructures back a further year or not? Who knows? But um, I've been just interesting. I have today pulled together some data on the two tables that the combination of the, the 1920 and the 2021 season com combined tables. Um, as I know that a number of people have pointed out, why don't we just combine the two, do it on points per game and promote and relegate as and when. Um, I've pulled a little bit of data to get to, to, together today, just out of interest, really, to see what, what that comes out with. So that's that's been um, put onto my Twitter um, later on tonight. Don't leave us hanging. If people don't follow you on Twitter, and that won't be many, um, how can we find you? Uh, so if you type in, uh, my username is A Thurston, T-H-U-R-S-T-O-N, underscore 1996. Um, yeah, that they can find me on Twitter there. Um, and ho ho hopefully most people that are listening have, have, have seen me on there at some point in the last few months. Well, uh, if you want to look at Adam's um, league table, and if you also want to get in touch regarding the excellent book he's doing on Western League grounds, and that's definitely uh, a fantastic way to do it. As we said during the interview, um, we also have a news article on the website, which has Adam's email address on as well. But Adam, thank you very much indeed for taking the time to speak to us. And I look forward to speaking to you again um, when uh, when you're a little bit closer to the to the completion of the book. And then um, um, hopefully we can we can hear some of the, the stories that you've unearthed as well as um, finding out when we're going to be able to get a look at it. If you're thinking, Toolstation, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Well, before Adam's interview, you told us about the news page on the website where the um, where the article um, that um, uh, that we put out for Adam um, is situated. We've also on our website got a COVID page. It's been running since the start of the uh, of the pandemic, and I know we've been chronicling the the different um, guidance that's certainly been coming out of the FA, along with the statements that have been made um, by the uh, by the Tool Station Western League. Uh, the latest statement regarding um, um, the uh, suspension of the four on the fourth of January is uh, is currently up there. Um, but um, actually, as we look back over it, Jim, I mean, it's it's probably got some historical significance, isn't it? Because it really does sort of chronicle where we've been over the past year. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so we've got basically a timeline of, as you said there, of all of the statements that have been put out, not just from the uh, Western League, but from the FA as well. Uh, also on the page, we've got all the risk assessments from each clubs. Uh, we just thought it would be nice to have a, like a central place, really, to have all of the information so people can find out the latest of what's going on now, but also scroll back through just to see what has happened from the start of the pandemic to, to where we are at the moment. Well, there'll be perhaps that would be the subject of Adam's next book. Um, but uh, before, for our final interview on uh, the Toolstation Western League podcast this week, I thought it was really important to, to get back into the groove, back into the swing of things with our manager interviews. And um, one manager we haven't caught up with for a long time is Eamon Daly. He's the manager of, of Portishead. Obviously, we're going to talk about the current situation. But um, I started off my conversation with Eamon by reflecting on the fact that Portishead haven't played since October the 24th. That was a 2-0 a defeat to the hands of uh, Radstock Town. So I started off by asking him just how frustrating that's been for him. 
think uh, it, it is frustrating, Ian. Um, but we find ourselves in the in the same boat as everybody else. Um, I know there were a couple of games played there at the end of December, um, which which we didn't um, which we didn't play. Um, but um, yeah, I think this whole ongoing scenario is is very frustrating for for everybody involved in in local football and and in in life in general. To be fair. I mean, before, um, uh, certainly before October the 24th, you'd had 11 games in the first two months of this season, um, which is, you know, it's not an inconsiderable effort to get this season up and running. No, um, it's an unenviable task, isn't it, for the people to have to make the decisions because it's been stop-start and it's very difficult to be making, I suppose, uh, the the, the right decisions all the time. which, which just leads to frustration and it leads to, to, you know, people, you know, coming up with their own scenarios. But my view on it is I, I think that if, if the league can get going again in the next few weeks, um, I think that there is a chance that, that, that fixtures might get fulfilled, um, albeit playing playing maybe twice a week for, for a large number of weeks. But again, that's the weather permitting as well. Um, if we had a bad bite of weather... Um, it's going to it's going to be proved to be a lot more difficult. Um, I suppose an extension in, on the season is is an option, um, but I'm not sure if if that's in the FA's plans or you know the tour season plans at all. And I'm not sure. I mean, from your perspective as manager of Portishead, I mean, how was it preparing for 11 games in two months? I mean, I know it's not unheard of for when the season kicks off, particularly to be to be packing a lot of games in. But I think we were all starting this season by trying to get as many as many matches on the board as we possibly could for fear of what 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 might happen what's proved to have happened with i mean we stopped playing in march didn't we um it was march when the when the last season was was voided or was when we finished playing our last match so we didn't get to go ahead then obviously to stop playing friendlies until um until first week of august um which we did. We, we we got we got a few friendlies in. We we played five friendlies um, before the season started, and the boys were the boys were um, you know really you know chomping at a bit to get into it and and to get going. And, and yeah, we prepared well. We 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 trained we trained before before the friendlies. We were training quite regularly, um, you know, focusing on fitness and 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 trying to sort of you know amalgamate a few new lads into the into the setup and to see what they could offer. And um, yet, it, it was it was a decent start. It was a decent start to the to the season, and um, one that we were all looking forward to, to, to being part of again. Um, only to sort of it to it for it to be derailed in in October. Um, and again, it's that's just where we find ourselves at the moment. It's, it's, it's stop start, and I, I, it's, it's not anybody's fault, is it? It's uh, it's just this this. Um, Covid is hanging over us until until that goes away, or until the, hopefully the vaccines start working, that we get to go ahead again. It's it's going to be on, you know, it's going to be up in the air, isn't it? Whether if we do start, is it going to stop again? And and nobody knows the nobody knows the right answers really. Well, let's let's talk about the football because let's talk about that um, that start that you made to this season. I mean, you had two very eye-catching wins against Cheddar and against Sherborne. I mean, that really was the perfect start for you, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. We, I mean, we did start on fire, um, which 
which we, we kind of pulled our sort of uh, friendly form in, in, into the start of the season. We were we were all all ready to go, all guns blazing. Um, Sherborne is never an easy place to go, and or very nice setup down there, um, and a very tight match. To be fair, um, two 0 result. Um, you know, it, it, it was very tight. We scored, we scored in the last minute in that game to make it two 0 So it was very touch and go um, for most of it. Um, and then the Cheddar game was probably our best performance in a long time. Uh, probably in my ten years as manager, it's probably our best performance. Um, it, it was it was the complete performance. We um, we were brilliant. Um, we were brilliant that evening against Cheddar. Um, and to be fair, we. we We've been decent sort of all season, really. Um, I'd say the only result, not result, but the only game I would say we didn't do ourselves justice where I think the, the opposition totally deserves to win was the last game we played against Radstock, um, which I thought we, you know, we were very poor that day. Um, but, the, you know, we, we started off really well um, and then we haven't won we haven't won a league game in the last five. Um, and that was a draw against Warminster, a draw against Lebec, which were two very tight, hard-fought games, as you can imagine. Um, we lost a tight one against Hengrove, where you know we, we didn't do ourselves justice really that evening, um, but really should have come out with something in that game. And the Almondsbury game was is a game was is a game I'd probably not want to sort of uh, think back too much of, but, um, as we we just we just threw it away. We should have been well out of sight against Almondsbury. We should have been four or five nil up in that game. We missed two penalties, and if you do that, then you're you know you're asking for trouble. And fair play to Almondsbury, they hit us with two goals um, late on in that game and and uh, stole the points on us really. But I mean, as you say, you were in. You've been in all the games. I mean, it wasn't a great end to that um, run of fixtures for you in terms of points on the board. But you were in all of those um, games. I mean. You know, what were your expectations going into this season? I know when you when I ask that question to people, people always think, well, you know, it, it, will it finish? You know, will it be points per game? But actually, I mean, where did you want to see Portishead finish this season? I think our, our, our realistic targets this year was, um, again, it, we, we were looking at progression. So I saw the progression last year before um, before the season was, was, was ended prematurely. And um, going into this season, we, we'd strengthened again. We brought some players in, and we've strengthened since again. Um, we've lost one or two along the way, but uh, yeah, we, we were we were certainly aiming at top six finish. Um, and, I, and I still think if the, if the season uh, gets underway again, that's well within our well within our reach. And and um, you know, we, we have to look at we have to look at top four. Although at that being said, that there's probably more. Um, at the moment, more complete sides um, that have played together for a little bit longer and are more in a position to um, to be worthy of a top four spot at the moment. But I mean, we, we have strength. Like I said, we've strengthened the game, and, and, and it's just how well the, these other, these new players gel um, within the setup. And um, but we are making progression, and that, that's that, that's the aim really. We're, we're looking up rather than backwards, which is a good thing. I mean, the, the way the fixtures have fallen so far, you're yet to come up against Khan and Ashton and Backwell, and you're yet to come up against Caution. But you have encountered Welton Rovers. You know, you've come up against a, a very good um, Warminster town side. So you've you, you have experienced some of the, those sides. Not to mention Cheddar and Sherborne, of course, who at the start of the season would have liked to have thought that they'd be there or thereabouts. Of, of the teams that you've 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 come up against so far, which ones have impressed you the most? 
who's impressed me the most? Um, I would probably say, um, yeah, Warminster are a good side. Warminster are obviously a good side, and you know Andy's always going to, uh, you know, he's always going to have his side, um, you know, very strong, um, and then they're well set up, and they know their jobs very well. Um, we, we did score. We, we <laughs> we're used to conceding late on in games, and uh, that was one game that we, we scored late on against Warminster. It was a very late goal in that game to, to get the draw. But um, yeah, on balance, it was it, you know it was a, it was an even enough match, which gives us you know the, the the insight to knowing that we can compete with the teams at the top. And yeah, we haven't played Colm. We know Colm's going to be um, a good side. They've been strong strong last year, and they've maintained that this year. Um, Caution, obviously, um, with with Kieran coming in there, and I think where everyone's aware of of the quality that they've got in their in their side. Um, I watched the Warminster um, Caution game on Boxing Day, and again, I think Warminster did very well that day. But Caution, even I was listening to Kieran a couple of weeks ago and and saying, you know, they haven't been at the races maybe for the last three or four games, but they're still they're still grinding out the three points, aren't they? Um, each time, so. You know that's the quality. That's the quality of or a sign of a quality side, isn't it? Um, so, an Ashton and Backwell is always going to be a tight one. Um, it's, it's, it's a local derby for us, and I know Stuart very well. Me and Stuart go back a long way. Um, so, yeah, it would be very nice to get one over on them. But we certainly know that's that's going to be a very tough game or tough two games when we when we play Ashton and Backwell. I mean, we, we, it feels to me, Eamon, we're in limbo at the moment, really. We, we, you know, we know we're in a national lockdown, and at the moment, you know, with the way that the, the, the statistics are working, you know, it, it, there doesn't seem to be an early solution um, to the problem. But, you know, you mentioned the vaccine earlier, and we, we've got to try and be optimistic. I mean, what are you doing with your players at the moment? How are you sort of, in, you know, keeping in touch with them? Are you, are you, are, you know, are they keeping fit? Absolutely. That, I mean, social media is great. I mean, I, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to these things. So, but I am on, I am on Twitter and WhatsApp and all these different, uh, these different social media platforms or whatever else it is. And and yeah, you have got media access to contacting the players, and we can all, we can all get involved in in talking to each other and Zoom meetings and everything else. Um, at the moment, because we can't train, obviously for the last few weeks, um, what we're doing is we, we've. We're trying to put a little bit of competitive edge on the players, and they're doing five k runs. We've we've tasked them to do three a week, um, and we've got a little league table going um, just to put a bit of an edge on it. So uh, yeah, so we know they're doing it. They're doing a bit, and some of the lads they'll 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 be quite very self disciplined anyway. Um, but it is one way of you know having a little bit of fun and also uh, maintaining the boys' fitness at the same time. And my thanks to Eamon for his time. Uh, and if uh, listeners, if, if your manager hasn't featured on the podcast yet, then please do get in touch. Um, Jim does a great job of um, tweeting the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the podcast out on social media. Uh, I'm normally copied in, so I, we shouldn't be too difficult to get hold of. And um, obviously there's um, a way of getting us as well through the, um, uh, through the contacts page 
on the uh, on the on the website of the Tool Station Western League. But um, um, if you do, if you haven't heard your manager on this season's podcast yet, we're going to have a little bit of time, I suspect, before we're going to get a chance to talk about any actual football. So why not get them on and get give them an opportunity uh, to uh, to have a chat about their their hopes and aspirations for your club and their background in football. So that's our managers taking care for. But um, on last week's podcast, Jim, we had a little chat about a new campaign we come up with. It was a sort of a, it was an offshoot of the Think of a Fan campaign. And we wanted to celebrate our club's unsung heroes. That's right. Yes, yeah. so we put up a post uh, last week. We've had a couple of clubs send in their unsung heroes. Basically, we want uh, clubs to nominate their unsung heroes. So uh, the people who give their time for nothing um, and without those guys, like the games wouldn't be able to to go ahead. So, uh, yeah, we just want clubs, fans to nominate their unsung heroes um, from their clubs. And like I said, we've had a, we've had a couple, couple in already and we'll be featuring them over the next coming days. Uh, and it'd be nice to give these people the recognition that, that they really do deserve. And we'll be putting together a page on the website um, covering the um, the testimonials we've been getting. And, of course, we'll also be featuring these people on our social media accounts as well, Jim. That's right, yeah. So I'm in the process of building a new page. Um, it'll go live, like I say, over the next couple of days. Um, and, again, it'll be like a historical bit that people can go back to and have a read. And we'll feature, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll have every club in the Western League nominating their unsung hero and they're all feature on this uh, special web page that we're uh, we'll be launching yeah absolutely i mean it's, it's so so much at uh, this particular moment in time is quite depressing and dark i know we've got the promise of the vaccine to come but you can't get away from a government press conference every day telling us how how things are getting worse and worse particularly for those people who are working in the nhs at the moment i'm sure that they um they're seeing it every day so the unsung heroes uh, campaign is an opportunity for us to remember what's best about our game and the people that are in it uh, an opportunity to reflect positively on these difficult times we're going to be keeping that going as part of the uh, the podcast over the next couple of months we're certainly going to be sticking with you um during lockdown you're going to be sticking with me during lockdown jim yeah you've uh, got the short end really because uh, tom being on furlough uh, so you've been stuck with me, mate. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. As long as I can moan to you about my diet. I mean, I just hope I'm here in a couple of weeks' time. I might waste away. Um, that would be <laughs> that would be terrible. But anyway, I'm sure that the listeners have got me for at least another week on the Tool Station Western League podcast. 